This podcast was first broadcast on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Go to radioverulam.com to find more Environment Matters podcasts and if you enjoy what we do, to find out how you can support the station, which is run entirely by volunteers. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, last week we focused on wildlife in our gardens and Heidi Carruthers of the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust told us all about the fantastic new wildlife gardening champions. And if you missed that, do catch up on the podcast page of radioverulam.com. So this week, we're down the park, and in particular, down in Verulamian Park, checking out the bird life there. I walk around Verulamian Park, and I barely give those islands in the lake a second glance, but they are in fact crucial wildlife habitats and home to a successful heron colony. Now, not only are we lucky to have these big, beautiful birds nesting right in the middle of our park, we're also lucky to have St Albans RSPB helping us to see and appreciate all the action with their annual Heron Watch. I spoke to Dan Fletcher of the St Albans RSPB group and I started by asking him how the Heron colony is doing. Was their breeding season successful last year and how are things going now? Yes, well, as far as, as we know, there were actually seven nests occupied last year. We, we didn't do a Heron Watch because of, of COVID, but the the nests were watched from time to time, and uh, the, the British Trust for Ornithology does a survey of heronries around the country every year. And because uh, the herons nest in the same place each year, so it's quite easy to go back and see what happens each year. And there was there were seven nests last year, which was slightly a slight increase on 2020, which which was good because they had been going down a little bit year on year. And interestingly, uh, the little egret colony, which is adjacent to the heron colony, it was also growing and there were nine little egret nests last year. So that was the first year when there were more little egret nests than heron, grey heron nests. And we imagine that will that trend will continue this year. And it'll be interesting to see how many, how many do, nests do have fledged herons on them this year. And then the little egrets nest a little bit later than the herons, so their their peak time is more in May, to, May through to July. So it will, again, we expect that there will be more than nine little egrets nesting there as well. And are the two birds in competition with each other? The little egrets are newer arrivals, aren't they? Do, do you worry about whether they're in competition with um, the herons? So we don't really worry about them. The main area of competition would be around food and they feed in, in different ways. They're obviously different sizes um, and their beaks, different lengths. And so the, the heron is able to go in deeper water and to catch bigger prey. The little egret um, tends to get smaller prey in shallower water. So they don't really compete in that way. And again, when they nest, the heron tends to nest a little bit higher up and in larger trees, whereas the little egrets are nesting lower down in shoulder height, one or two meters above the ground, and in the in the willow trees, which would be probably a little bit too weak to support a heron's nest. They do coexist reasonably happily. It will be interesting to see whether that does change and whether lots and lots and lots of little egrets, because their colony could grow quite large, um, whether that does ultimately have an impact on the herons, but uh, time will tell. Okay, that, that's one of the reasons, presumably, why, why we're watching the herons. So remind us what's involved in Heron Watch. 
Well, Heron Watch is simply an opportunity to take advantage of the fact that this heronry in Verulamium Park in St Albans is is really close to where the general public will spend their time normally. It's one one, one of the closest heronries to uh, sort of normal human habitation that there is in the county, and, and, and maybe for quite some way. The Verulamium Park heronry it is close, but it is safe because no people really go on the island, so herons know that they're they're okay there. And uh, it's, it's a really nice opportunity for us then to be able to see almost into the nests and see what's happening on, on a day-by-day or week-by-week basis. At the RSPB, we, we want to uh, give people a, a sort of a window into, into nature to help to understand it and to ultimately to be involved in helping to save nature. And so giving just regular park visitors that insight into what's happening right on their doorstep, which they wouldn't necessarily even notice. It's a really great opportunity. And uh, each year we're really delighted when people say, oh, I, I had no idea there are herons there. I've walked past here lots of times and I didn't know that was going on. Thank you for pointing that out to us. And and thank you for giving us the chance to look through the telescopes and see the, the small heron chicks growing and learn a little bit more about them. Yes, I think you're right. It's very easy to walk around Verulamium Lake and be completely unaware of the magic of nature unfolding just on the island and having the RSPB volunteers there to point it out and explain. As you say, also having the telescope that we can look down so that we can get or feel really close up to what's going on is really very magical. As you say, we're very lucky in St. Thomas to have this, aren't we? So what kind of things would we be able to see through the telescope? Obviously some baby birds perhaps. Um, What kind of action can we expect? to see. During April it's early days in terms of chicks hatching and then starting to be fed so sometimes we can hear more than we can see and you hear the the chicks sort of clattering their beaks when they know the adult is coming ready to feed them and their, their eagerness you, you can hear that when they're going that sort of noise and then you see the adult come in and and start to feed them you see the, the beaks you know just coming up above the above the top of the nest and then as april goes through and into may the chicks get larger they start to walk around a little bit and when when they leave they're going to be nearly 90 centimeters nearly a meter tall so they're not little and they they grow a huge amount from a from a small egg into sort of a 90 centimeter tall bird um, in in just a few weeks so that change in height and change in size is really noticeable for from from week to week and so yeah we hope to see lots of adult birds coming in feeding changing over one will be sitting on the eggs or keeping the chicks warm while the other one goes and fishes and then as the chicks get bigger both adults go and fish and then come back and, and feed the young ones and then later on in may the chicks that have fledged will then have to fend for themselves and and it's it's quite tough love with herons you once the adults think that the chicks are big enough to look after themselves the adults go off and don't come back and the young chicks have been fed every day of their life up until that point, so they don't really know what happens. But after a day or so, they get hungry, and then they realize that they can go and uh, fly away from the nest. And, and we often see them feeding down in the river next to the lake, just learning learning how to fish. Hunger drives them, instinct drives them, and then they, they, they become um, independent uh, birds in their own right. Well, that is a reminder, isn't it, how tough things are in the natural world yeah. and uh, particularly for... Well, how cushy they are in the human world, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, exactly. The contrast is enormous, isn't yeah. it? Um, and there's been a lot about the state of the lake in St. Thomas. Is it providing okay for the herons, the fact that they're still there? Can we assume that they're still finding what they need to eat? The, the interesting thing is that the herons rarely actually feed on the lake. 
They will feed in the river by the lake, but more likely they'll feed up and downstream from the lake. So they do fly reasonable distances to get food and then come back again. So the lake, from the heron's perspective, it does its job in that it stops people from getting onto the island. So it creates a safe place for them to nest, but they don't really use the lake for, for somewhere to feed. Other, other birds do. There are ducks, grebes, cormorants even that are, that are feeding on, on the fish in the lake. So there, there is some life in the lake to, to keep the other birds going, but not really the herons. They're able to find food out elsewhere, on, on, mainly on the river and the, the adjacent fields. So, as you said, there are lots of other birds in Verulamium Park as well, other water birds. And um, something I've seen on Facebook, I haven't actually seen it myself yet, is a swan's nest. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Because they are really striking birds, aren't they? Yes, so, so there are swans on the lake and uh, the mute swans. They're one of our largest birds in the UK. And they, when they, they nest, they, they have got a big nest, which is very noticeable, but generally safe from predators because you don't really want to mess with a swan. And foxes or, or dogs or others would, probably wouldn't mess with them either. They're quite, quite defensive. And they, they lay a lot of quite large eggs and they'll, they'll have a brood of, of cygnets. And we often do see sort of the previous year's cygnets or, um, before they're fully fledged into adult feathers. They're, they're sort of a, a browny gray color before they you know, they go from the ugly duckling to the to the, the perfect white swan. The Hertfordshire Bird Club is doing a survey of mute swans this year. That's that swan's nest, I think, on Verulamium Lake is taken care of, but if people spot mute swan nests elsewhere, it would be good to to go onto the, the Hearts Bird Club website. Just Google Hearts Bird Club, you'll find it, and there's details there about the mute swan survey. Have a look, and, and if you find a mute swan, do register it there. We want to know how many mute swans are, uh, are nesting in the county. So another bird that we see nesting, not quite as big and spectacular as the swans, are the the little black coots. And they're quite noticeable because they sort of make little islands for themselves, don't they? Is that something they do in nature or is that just something they've learned to do where there's a lot of crisp packets around? It is something that they do naturally. And part of that is flood defences to some extent because water levels do obviously go up and down in, in, in all sorts of uh, rivers and lake areas so they build this sort of platform so that uh, it will potentially protect them from flooding and they use any materials that they can get hold of so certainly we see lots of waste materials in, in, in the ones around Verulamium Lake and, and the river sadly there, there, there is waste there but the birds do manage to sort of make use of it. Coats are quite defensive as well and so we often do see coote fights on, on, on the lake. It's, it's quite interesting. They battle each other with their feet, which is difficult when you're a water bird sort of floating, but they sort of manage to prop themselves up and, and kick each other and flap their wings. To, um, and is this for territory that they're yeah. fighting? Territory for food. Um, yeah, possibly for partners. Coots do seem to squabble quite a lot. That's, that's their nature. They are quite feisty, aren't yeah. they? And it is doggy dog in the, in the natural world. So... The weather is warming up now, a few blips, but it is warming up and there are a few migrant birds coming back. Are there any of those that we can look out for if we're down at Verulamium Park? Certainly. The more obvious ones are the, the, the swallows and the house martins and occasionally sand martins as well. They go up and down the, the River Ver Valley and uh, certainly swallows and house martins are back in, and, and sand martins are back in the county. They will be quite in quite low numbers at the moment, but they will build up during April and then there will be lots in May. And then towards the end of April and into May, the swift arrives. So they're all similar looking birds. They, they will swoop low over the water to catch insects, but they're very aerial acrobatic birds. And then in the in the 
the woods around the lake, we, we are hearing chiff chaff already, which is a, a summer migrant that makes a noise the same same as its name, chiff chaff, chiff chaff. And then there's also willow warblers. Some have returned, but they will be coming back en masse probably a little bit later in April. And black caps, uh, those, those are three warblers that, that sing all, all around the lake. And uh, we generally hear them when we're doing Heron Watch. So, so we can look those those birds up and it's just a matter of just perhaps pausing for a moment whilst we're walking around and just keeping an ear open and just watching because these are smaller birds, aren't they? They're not going to be as easy to spot as the as the swans or the herons. You're more likely to hear them as, as singing birds. Blackcaps do tend to be a bit more showy. They sing near the tops of trees, chiffchaffs possibly as well. Willow warblers are a, a little bit harder to see. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not not as obvious as swifts and swallows, but uh, but certainly they, the soundscape that they create is... is one of the things which is, which is really nice around the lake, along with robins and blackbirds and, and song thrushes and wrens, which will also be singing. So definitely something to listen out for. Lovely. Well, that's, you know, that's lovely to know that there is this whole breadth of birds which are finding homes in places like Verulamian Park that we enjoy, but it obviously is pretty important for, for birds as well. We've counted over 74 different species that we've no- noted over the four years of Heron Watch. There's a lot of wildlife either in the park or flying over it. Brilliant. Well, that, that should be plenty for us to get our teeth into if we're taking a stroll through the park. So just stepping back away from the park and back into our gardens for a moment, is there anything that we can do to, to help birds right now? That was a peak time for, for nesting birds. Uh, so be aware of that and, and be careful about not disturbing birds that might be nesting in, in hedgerows or, or, or shrubs around your house. If you have put up bird boxes, then they may start to be occupied again watch from a distance but but try try not to disturb them too much you can put food out for birds as other food becomes more plentiful it's a good time to start to pull back a little bit from the the winter food that you put out as, as birds will be able to fend for themselves they're less dependent on on the food that we provide to them you, you can also leave out um, materials that that they might want to build nests with so so don't make your gardens too tidy birds will be able to use some of the things that, that you leave out and, and you may want to put other things um cotton wool type things or hair or yeah, fluffy yes. things to line the nests with yeah. that's right indeed i have a, an artichoke plant which i allow to flower and from last year's flowers so I just leave them on and they seem to be very popular nesting materials but as you say there's lots of just fluffy things that uh, that they really like aren't there so Dan can you just remind us of the dates for Heron yes. Watch thank you so Heron Watch starts on on the Sunday the 10th of April and runs all the way through to the 22nd of May so it's every weekend and it runs from 11 o'clock in the morning to one o'clock in the afternoon. So just a two hour slot over lunchtime. And we also um, will hope to be there on the bank holidays. So Good Friday, Easter Monday and the, the first bank holiday Monday in May. And we have a group of volunteers who go and help to show visitors what's happening there. But uh, we're always on the lookout for more volunteers as well. And so if anybody's interested in volunteering, they can uh, send an email to me through the RSPB St. Albans group. Um, our emails on our website. Dan, I think it's a lovely service that you provide there, allowing us to um, engage with all the fantastic bird life that we are so lucky to have in yeah. Verulamium Park. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing the action unfold this year. Dan, thank you so much for coming and telling us about that. No, you're welcome. Thank you, Amanda. I was talking there to Dan Fletcher of St Albans branch of the RSPB. And you know, I just love that there's so much wildlife to see and so much action, so much variety 
all for free, no zoo tickets needed, right there in Verulamium Park. And if you fancy spending an hour or so manning the telescope, pointing people in the direction of Heron Island and enjoying spending some time sharing your love of wildlife, then I'll pop the link so that you can get in touch with the St Albans RSPB group into the notes that go with the podcast of this show. And if birds aren't your thing, then there's lots more to see in Verulamium Park too. If you take a walk down there at dusk, you'll see bats circling round, swooping over the water, or go and check out the wildlife garden at the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust headquarters at Grebe House, where, with luck, you'll be able to see bees and butterflies enjoying the early flowers there. And of course, it's not just Verulamium Park that's got plenty for us to see for free this Easter. The bluebells are just coming out at Greenwood Park down in Chiswell Green and even places like Clarence Park near Fleetville. I've got a wealth of birds to spot. Do you know, I rarely see a thrush in my own garden, but uh, down at the cricket pitch at Clarence Park, you can fairly much guarantee you'll see some there. Or for somewhere a little bit different, why not check out the Watercrest Beds Nature Reserve that's behind the houses on Riverside Road? It's a really peaceful spot. It's managed by the Watercrest Wildlife Association. It's bounded by the Alban Way and the River Vare and then the um, houses of Riverside Road. And it's not just got the ponds and the reed beds of the old Watercrest Beds and all the wildlife that goes with them. It's also got little patches of woodland, even an orchard of local varieties of fruit trees. It really is. It's a, it's a lovely place to explore and just to sort of immerse yourself in nature. I'm going to be back at the same time next week, but until then, thank you for listening.